Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 33. Let's go. Genesis chapter 33. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants, and he put the maidservants and their children in front, hmm. Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Recap. Jacob left Laban. He's on his way back to where God called him to go. His brother's coming to meet him with 400 men, presumably to take him down. So he divided into different groups. They're back together. Now he's kind of stacking, and he had sent all these uh, cattle and uh, uh, herds and sheep and stuff ahead of him to give to his brother as a way to say, hey, don't kill me. I've got money. I'm going to pay you off. Don't kill me. And now he's stacking his family in like layers so that, you know, maybe Esau will be like, okay, I'm not going to hurt these women and children. I'm not going to hurt these women and children. Okay, fine. Or something, but at least he goes in front of them, right? <laughs> Which is a good thing. It's interesting though that he puts Rachel and Joseph last. Um, so it's probably because he cared the most for Rachel, so he put them um, last as the ones to get hurt if Esau was in fact going to take them down. And so he comes over, he bows himself to the ground seven times. So seven is a great biblical number of completion. He's bowing, he's showing respect to Esau. He's saying, please don't kill me, you know, just by bowing is what he's saying right there. And in verse four, it says, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, who are these with you? So remember, Jacob was fearful. He did a lot of things in his flesh right here. And, and then he prayed. So he did the fleshly things, then he prayed. So many of us do that. We try on our own efforts and then we pray. May we, and myself included, get better at praying first and then waiting for God and taking action, right? We don't just say, I'm going to sit here and lay in my bed and eat Doritos all day and pray to God that he take, you know, covers my finances. I'm never going to do anything. No, that's not God, what God calls us to do. He calls us to pray. Does praying change God's mind? No, it changes our heart, right? It's a way that we communicate to God and God works through us in that prayer. And the answer, and the prayer is going to get answered. It may not be the answer that we want in our flesh. We may look at it and think the answer is even bad from a earthly perspective. But God is sovereign. He knows all things. He knows what's best. He knows what's going to shape us into the person he wants us to be, even through trials. And yes, even in my life, when I go through stress or anything, any kind of event, oh, I pray through it. I go through that experience and, and I come out stronger, even if it's something that I, I didn't want, didn't like, wouldn't have wished for on anyone. Um, and I just pray that he continues to show me that, that, that we all have a heavenly perspective and not an earthly perspective, because it's so easy to lose sight of the heavenly things and so easy to get caught up in the earthly things. And many of you have some heavy things going on out there, and I pray that you would look to heaven and that I, the same as I go through things, look to heaven instead of being distracted by Satan and focused on earthly things. And so he was so afraid that Esau was going to kill him, but Esau actually ran up, embraced him, so he hugged him, kissed him, and they cried together, right? 
What an ending to something that we, <laughs> that Jacob was a fearful of. He thought he was going to kill him. They divided into two groups. He sent money to pay him off. He prayed about it. He did all this stuff. And here Esau is running to him. So Esau is actually a picture of the flesh because when Jacob was trying to get the birthright from Esau, uh, Esau was like, sure, whatever, you know, just feed me. Give me, a, give me your famous food and, and, and I'll do it. And that's representative of the flesh because in our flesh so often we're like, just, you know, appease my flesh right now and I'll worry about the other stuff later. But what's interesting is even representing the flesh, symbolic of the flesh, there's almost a story, a kind of an Old Testament story of a prodigal God here, if you will, that you'll, you'll know from the New Testament probably, where the guy's son you know, went away, spent all the money, partied, came back broken, and, his, and the father ran to him. He didn't point his finger at him. He didn't judge him. He was just like, I'm so glad you're back, and I love you. And there's almost that uh, picture here in my mind of this guy, though not representing God, but symbolic of the flesh, is actually running to meet him. And it doesn't matter how much we've screwed up. God wants to forgive us. All we have to do is ask. And if you've invited Jesus into your life, you are forgiven past, present, and future. There may still be consequences to whatever action or actions you've taken, but the repercussions, the eternal repercussions are not there because God has wiped the slate clean. He has pardoned you just like a governor can pardon someone, just like a president of the United States can pardon someone. You have been completely pardoned. Um, and so Esau is essentially pardoning him and forgiving him. Really interesting, though, because Esau represents the flesh. And, and what that can also remind us of is people who don't have Jesus can still do good things, can still forgive. They can still do some great things, but that doesn't get them into heaven because you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't do enough good things. Why? Because you can't cover the bad things. The bad things are always there, the sins, the things that we have done against God, right? That sin distance is an archery term. It's the distance from the bullseye. It doesn't matter if, if you're not on the bullseye, if you're an inch off, it's still not a bullseye. If you're a, a yard off, it's not a bullseye. Or a million yards off, it's still not a bullseye. It's that sin distance. It's the distance to perfection. And God requires perfection. So we can't cover it up just by doing good things. But we will see some people in the world who do some quote-unquote good things, but that doesn't get them into heaven. We, as Christians, want to be better and should be better at representing Christ, at doing great things in the name of Jesus for his glory. Uh, the back end of verse 5 says, So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near, they and their children, and bowed down, and Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. So he's introducing his family. They're showing respect to Esau. He's getting to meet both wives. He's getting to meet the children. Verse 8, then Esau said, What do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. So what's going on here is he's met the family, and now he's saying, You've sent all these you know, servants and animals ahead of you, to essentially buy me off. Uh, you know, what's all what's going on with all this? And I think he knew. I think he's just trying to figure out what's going on in Jacob's head. And Jacob's like, to find favor. Um, you know, you, you were mad at me. You had to be mad at me because I took the birthright. I deceived you. I deceived dad. I lied to dad. 
and I thought you were going to kill me. So I just wanted to find favor and pay you off. And so often we feel like we need to earn God's favor. And this is a picture of that. But we do not need to earn God's favor. And that's why it's grace rather than merit. Esau, um, right, Christianity isn't based on responsibility, but on response. Your ability to respond, uh, your ability to respond put into action, right? Responsibility, that's what it is. It's your response to Jesus. Have you responded to Jesus? Right, that's the question to ask. And if you haven't, today's the day. Right here, right now, for today is the day of salvation. Verse 9, but Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please, if, you, if I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand, inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. So he urged him, and he took it. Right, so they're doing this thing, and in the Middle East, uh, I haven't been over there, but there's a lot of negotiation apparently that goes on like constantly. It would drive me nuts because I don't like the negotiation uh, process typically, um, but they're very uh, good at it and used to it. It's ingrained in their culture. I don't think it stresses them out like it stresses me out. And so here's like, ah, no, no, I'm not going to take this. Oh, come on, take it, brother. No, I'm not going to take it. Take it, brother. Okay, I'll take it. Right. So they're, they're, they're working through some of their past, working through some of the present, trying to f- size each other up to see where they are. And Jacob really wants, wants us to go to Esau because he doesn't want Esau to hold anything over him. He wants Esau to be like, okay, he screwed me over, took my birthright, which is you know double the inheritance, the family blessing, that type of stuff. But at least he's given me a lot of money, so that's been restored to me if I accept this. Um, we don't, we don't see exactly how much, but I'm assuming it's pretty substantial here. But Esau's saying, I'm good, brother. I've, I've done well myself, but okay, whatever. Twist my arm. I'll take it. And, uh, then you've got verse 12. Then Esau said, let us take our journey. Let us go. And I will go before you tomorrow. We will pick up in verse 13. So the lesson for today is that word responsibility, it's our ability to respond. How have we responded to Jesus? And even if you've accepted him, how do you continue to respond, not from a salvation standpoint, but from a praising him on a daily basis standpoint, telling people about him, reading the Bible, studying, showing people who he is, who Jesus is, and then telling about him. Lord, help us to respond well. Help us to understand that we don't deserve your favor. We don't get it by merit, by earning it, but by your grace. Help us spend the rest of our life repaying you, not because we have to, but because we want to. But in showing people who you are so that we can tell them who you are. Help us to keep in focus the purpose of this life and to have a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com.
located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.